Hello everyone, my name is Rick, Rick van Bruggen from Neo4j, and here I am uh, recording another Rafistania Neo4j podcast. Um, and today I've got someone from, from London on the phone, um, that's uh, Dilian Damianov. Hi Dilian. Hi Rick, how are you? Very, very good, thank you for joining me. Um, Dilian, you work for Snowplow Analytics, which is a, you know, a really interesting company that does a uh, well, you can explain it yourself, event event data analytics, I guess, right? Uh, but maybe you can introduce yourself a little bit and also tell us a little bit how, what's your relationship to the, the wonderful world of graphs, right? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so my name is Dilian uh, Damianov um, and I work at, I've been working at Snowplow Analytics for a little over a year now. Um, Snowplow, Snowplow is, a, is an open source event analytics platform that lets you collect data from uh, from any source, then store that data in your own data warehouse and, and just run any analysis on it. Um, and um, I'm, um, I'm part of the analytics services team that delivers uh, custom analytics projects. Um, and uh, we've been very interested in uh, using graph, uh, graph technology for some of those projects. Um, so far, it's only been on the R&D side, like we were exploring where we could take this, uh, but we, we are very keen to, to make it part of our uh, regular stack. So, so can you explain a little bit more on, on what that means, you know, like um, event data and, 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 and mapping a graph on top of that? You know, um, I think there might be some, some different ways to do that, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly right. Um, so, if we think of event data uh, that's traditionally stored in a relational database, there's really only one logical way to store that, and that's uh, you have one line per event, and then your table is as wide as many different facets you have for that event. So you may have a user ID, uh, you may have a timestamp, you, you may have a, a URL that was visited, and so on. Um, when you think of, of um, modeling the same data as a graph, um, there's many different ways you can do it. So one way would be your event could be a node, and then you can have relationships um, going out of that node to all the different parameters like user ID, URL, timestamp, and so on. So that's one way to do it. Another way to do it would be to have all the different objects in your event, like the user ID and the timestamp and uh, in the URL, be nodes uh, themselves, and then have relationships between those nodes. And then you can you can take it from these two, and then you can mix and match them so that you know some objects are nodes, uh, and uh, uh, and you can um, like you can visualize or model the relationships between them uh, as um, as edges in the graph. Or some of the relationships could actually be that a node will have different properties. Uh, so you can end up with like at least five or six different ways to model that. Uh, and it's not necessarily clear which one of these you should choose. Like there's many, there's many considerations that you need to take. Uh, some of those methods would mean you're duplicating data in your graph. So you're storing data in several places. Um, but other ways, um, 
mean that your queries will, will run faster because you won't have to do as many hops. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean that, you know, it kind of depends on the question that you're trying to answer. You know, the, 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 the model is kind of driven by the, by the, by the query pattern or, 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 or am I wrong there? Um, yeah, so that's one, one consideration. You might have a very clear question in mind or a set of questions that you want to answer. And then the query pattern will be, will be something that, that dictates what sort, what shape the graph will have. Um, or you can have some other constraints, like, um, like for instance, at Snowplow, we, we believe that your atomic data, as the data at the most granular level, should be mutable. Um, because that way it's fully auditable. Even if there was some error in the pipeline, um, if you don't change your underlying data, you can always inspect it and you can always find a fix for it. Um, but if you change it, then, then fixing things becomes much harder because then you cannot trust your data anymore. You, you know that at some point it might have been changed. Uh, so that's an interesting constraint. It means that, um, like for instance, you can't have the user be a node that takes on different properties as time goes on, uh, because that would uh, violate the principle of immutability. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All of a sudden, there seems to be an echo on our call here. That's weird. Um, I'll cut that out later. Um, Didian, maybe we can talk a little bit about you know the reasons why you got into uh, the graph and and, and you know, why you started using it. Was there a particular you know background there, a particular story there that that, that might be interesting for us? Uh, yeah, so uh, so the way I got into graphs uh, is uh, we we have regular hackathons at Snowplow, and at one of those events, um, I just came up with this idea of uh, exploring how we would do path analysis in a graph database. Uh, so we already knew how to do that in a relational database, uh, and we knew that um, depending on the length of your path. Uh, you could end up with very expensive queries. Uh, so I was interested to see if uh, if those queries won't be much more efficient in a graph database. Uh, and that's exactly what uh, what uh, turns out to be the case. And what, what kinds of paths are we talking about here? Is it paths between events then, or between users and events, or what types of paths were you thinking of? So it could be it could be different things. One like the simplest uh, the simplest example would be somebody landing on a on a on a website, and then uh, the path would be tracking that person through the different pages that they visit. Uh, it could be uh, it could be a funnel analysis thing where you track a person through to the different stages of a funnel, or if you're talking about something like uh, marketing attribution, you could track people through the different marketing touches they they go through before they convert. So all of these are, are things that uh, we see people explore using using Snowplow. Uh, and all these analyses are much harder in a relational database than they are in a graph database. Yeah, I can totally see that. That's uh, that sounds like a like a great use case because you kind of know 
where you start and you know where you end with uh, with these events but it's probably interesting to figure out what happened in the meanwhile right yeah correct yeah cool all right well um maybe we can talk a little bit about future you know what 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 uh what, what do you think is uh, is happening with uh, snowplow and neo4j and graph databases in general and, and also where do you see the industry going maybe you know what uh, was what, what's your perspective on that um i think uh, at snowplow we're very interested in um in exploring how we can can do a lot more with graphs uh and we we are at the start of this journey but hopefully uh, we'll see some concrete results uh, very soon. Uh, I think industry-wide, uh, there's still a little bit of a, a stigma there that uh, people tend to think that graphs are something very complicated, which are not. Uh, but um, it's, it's still something that um, we have to we have to deal with. Uh, and I think. I think Neo4j actually has a has a great is already playing a great role in that. Um, even if you think about basic things like, um, I mean, obviously you have you have a lot. You, you're putting a lot of effort into creating a community uh, uh, that can um, that people can fall back on for support. But also, if you look at something like Cipher, the query language in Neo4j. It's very intuitive. It's extremely easy for, for a data analyst uh, who's already experienced in SQL to understand how Cypher works. There's, a, there's an almost one-to-one -one mapping for most of the queries. Oh, taking into account the fact that they're, they're very different things, uh, relational databases and graph databases. Uh, but like it makes intuitive sense how, how that is going to work. And I think that's that's a step in the right direction like some of the other query languages make graphs look like this scary arcane thing which uh, which they're really not like a little green monster that runs through the graph is that what you're talking about uh, <laughs> like it's, a little gremlin yeah, I, I yeah personally i find gremlin um to be a little bit intimidating i agree yeah very much so very cool, um, Dillian. I think um, what we'll do is we'll we'll put a bunch of links to um, to Snowplow and to to some of the the work that you guys have been doing with Neo4j on on the website, um, and we'll you know link it into the transcription of the podcast, obviously. Um, but for now, I think this was a very very useful and, and interesting conversation for our listeners, and I want to thank you for uh, for taking the time to come online, and I'm sure we'll hear more about you guys in the, in the upcoming months. And thank you for, for inviting me. It was great to be a part of this. Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks, bye-bye.